you know, sometimes you think you're talented and then somebody comes along and builds, I don't know, an operating system in the browser, an improved email service, and a web hosting platform all while having a day job? Yeah, I hate that too. And that is why I spoke with a good friend of mine that I envy so much, Anthony Rossback. Hi, I'm your host, Mitchell Bernstein, and this is the Undesigned Podcast. Let's go. Anthony Rossback is a talented web developer, to say the least. He's built so many things and is actually the man behind Nodehost, our sponsor. We spoke about a few things like how he got started making websites through his obsession with Pokemon and what he's been up to lately. And of course, this episode is sponsored by Nodehost. Use the promo code UNDESIGNED to get a free credit for whatever website you want to host. Check it out at nodehost.ca. My name is Anthony, and I built Nodehost and a whole whack of other stuff, and I've worked for web companies in the area and all that stuff, all that fun stuff, and I build a lot of interesting stuff. You do, actually. I've seen some of it, yeah. and it's pretty cool. I haven't even shown you the cool stuff. That wasn't the cool stuff? No, I've built an operating system that's all web-based. I did a search engine three times, and I keep killing it and then remaking it just for fun and then deleting it again. I've built several games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how to use DigitalOcean to upload a static website, so... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of actually why I made Node Hosts for that very reason, but yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Damn. with DigitalOcean. Wow. Okay. When, you're, when you're doing a VPS or anything like that, you kind of have to make it as if it was a computer and act like it was your personal computer. So you have to be careful what you do or you can ruin it. Right. Right. And I think I'm about to ruin it. So, uh, well, it's easy not just to talk about anything. And create a new one. That's true. It's not that hard to restart it and destroy it, whatever you call it. But, uh, this podcast isn't really about development. However, no, it's not you're a developer, right? You would consider yourself a yes. developer. Uh, yes. More than the other side. And what is the other side? Design and interface work and how people experience the product that's actually being made. And with that in mind, uh, you you sent me over some, some topics that you thought would be good ideas to discuss on the podcast. And yes. what's uh, interesting was, uh, what stood out to me the most was the one where you said about... Um, how developers should learn design or at least fill in the gap. Yeah, I don't and expect everyone to learn code, so it has to be on our side to kind of fill that gap. Yeah. <laughs> so so tell me about your thoughts on how and why developers should learn a little bit or a lot of it about design. Well, when a develop like a designer will end up learning code or anything like that like it works but they're never going to get into the nitty-gritty stuff and that's really what we get focused in to the point where we completely forget about how the user is using it because we know how to use it and it just creates a problem and if you do not know how to 
kind of figure out where the designer's coming from as far as how they want it to feel and operate. Like you may say, oh, well, why is that button there? It could be in the, in the settings menu three levels deep. Like it's easy to find, right? To you yeah. it is, but not to the designer and not to the end user because that's what the designer's kind of focused on, right? And it's very strange because I've had cases where I've had people send me mock-ups, things like that. Like, even the one you sent me. I didn't really edit it. I didn't pull resources from it. But if I had to, it would be a nightmare if I didn't know how to use those applications. And those applications being, like, Sketch and Figma and, and whatnot, right? Yeah, Photoshop. or any designer, Photoshop, anything like that. And then there's also the the side where you were talking if you don't know how things are coded it kind of also causes an issue some mm -hmm. languages if you're building a game for example assets some will remove backgrounds if they're solid color some won't some require a grid background as far as the code automatically ripping assets out right and if the designer mm -hmm. doesn't know that the developer is having to go and edit the image make it how it fits and put it back in and it just creates issues so how did how do you then go forth and learn design? Like what have what have you done to try to at least appreciate and and come to terms with design so that you can speak and communicate better to designers? Um, I do all the design stuff for my stuff for the most part and I get feedback to critique it and change it. But as far as developers go, they should almost be creating the first mock-up, if you will, of an interface, at least for how they see it, for them to build the system. And then the designer can come along and say, well, if a user is using this, this isn't how they're going to see it. They're going to see it more like this. So you'll have to restructure it, but at least you'll have the fundamentals of well, if I put a menu here, it's hard to click on because this is behind it or things like that. What if the developer uh, says, no, this is not what I want. This is not how I think it should work. Or the designer goes and, and is, it goes on an ego rant and it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, is there any um, issues you come across where the other person, either the developer or the designer, is kind of stubborn and doesn't want to see it the other way. Because I, I can see that developers make things work. Designers yeah. make things work for people in terms of the psychology behind it. Like Developers don't focus on the psychology as much. Uh, they focus more on how the, the computer talks to the application where the designer works with um, how the application talks to the person. So yeah. have you ever come across developers that are like, like, I don't care about the design. It works. Oh, absolutely. The last place I worked. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> when it, it's so strange. So I had one where I actually made the design element. I put it into place and the person goes, why did you go through all the styling for this? It's literally just a chat box or whatever it was in the corner. And it's, well, if you don't, if it goes to mobile, it looks weird. If you do this, it looks weird. You can't just have a static box because it just doesn't fit and everything. And they just said, well, it works when they click it. Like, that's all that matters. And that just causes so many issues because then you get users yelling at the developer side or at the owner of the app 
and then the developers get that feedback first, right? Because they're the one that implemented it. So if you don't understand that you need to keep take these into consideration, these changes, these ways that things operate, you're just going to have people yelling back at the developer or the person who is seen as making it. I mean, I've had the same side from the other side. I've had uh, designers submit PDFs that are non-editable and are editable. <laughs> I'm not going to eat a PDF. Um, <laughs> and, and, you, and you can't pull resources from it. And you say, can I get the original image or can you export the, uh, this part of this image that you mocked up? And they go, no, I can't. It's in the PDF. Just recreate it. And it, it just causes <laughs> back and forth. I had that with... Um, with an image that was created. It was a multi-layer image. They exported it as a PDF saying, you can see the layers. Yes, but I can't export it. It's locked. Mm -hmm. So what can designers do then to help make that communication a little bit more seamless? Anything that's important that you don't... Any items, menus, mock-ups that are really important... Um, and you'll see this with online, like, did you see the new Facebook mock-up that they did for, for the new, for OS 11? Wait, what do, what do you mean? Oh, so Facebook did a new UI, like a, a public oh, UI. I don't know if G, it was from G, you. GUI kit, right? Yes, uh, yes, iOS. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do everything in small, it separated. Yeah, well, I, I did, and it looks, I couldn't tell the difference between the originals, so it, it looks really, really good. Um, but... If all those, they do examples of every type of possible combination, split apart pieces, that works. But a lot of the elements that they were showing in the previews, like the spe the special images and stuff like that, they didn't separate it into its own individual image that's completely transparent. And the problem with that is I can't tell as a developer the first time looking at it, did they draw on top? Or is it separate elements? Like, is that edge around that separate? Is mm. the radius around it artificial? Is it part of the image? Like, you can't tell by looking at it. So having individual assets split apart, even if you have, like, an expandable file, like a sketch file that you can pull apart, it's nice to have in that folder maybe the important parts already separated. Okay, so when you're saying you're saying during handoff, take the assets that you're going to give somebody and say, hey, if you're gonna make this this chat bot, uh, the chat box, and you want like a blue bubble over here and then a green bubble for the user, but then you want drop shadow, you want text on top of it, you want to have every layer separated so that you can go in and break down the yeah. styling of every element, right? <laughs> Yeah, and easily doc or even just adding comments if it's if it if they know how to open that document, see the layering, see how it's working, put comments in. Like um if you're making a static image that's like the flattened element, here's kind of like a map, right? Have points on there saying this is split into parts, you can find this here. Um I see like if if you look at a lot of UI elements or user interface designs online like dribble or places like that it's a static file and they just kind of go download it and pull out the assets right mm -hmm. and when you do that a user goes well i really like that menu i like how that folds out i like how that looks how do i find the parts for that <laughs> 
Have you ever dealt with anything with like um, translation files where you have every word in an entire project in a single file? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that, that was my last app. Great. That is oh. amazing because you can literally go, did I start it with, sorry, but this is, and I've changed it later down the road. I can just search for the old ones and replace them. But in a large project, you really can't. Um, Notehouse, for example, so I hard. know there's, there's so many elements and places where the error <laughs> messages, how I say them have changed. So there's mm -hmm. going to be different formatting, like we are sorry, this blah, 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 or we can't connect to this, or the server is unable to connect to this, or the client system is unable to talk to this. Like it just keeps switching around because you're kind of refining it based on what people say. Like you get a user say, I don't understand. What does it mean by server? Like the one that I'm running? Like what? And then you refine that for that message, but you don't change the rest. <laughs> That's totally true. Now, the last product that I worked on that I that I created myself uh, with or co-created, co I should say, uh, we had that. We actually used Dropbox Paper to manage all the documentation for all the error messages, for all like the 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 the, the titles of each page and the types of buttons and and how it's all styled and everything was actually documented and it was beautiful and it was yeah. so hard to do you spend so much time doing that it's like uh design production it's so hard but it's so important when you're when you expect something to grow when you want to scale something you got to document that otherwise you have to go back and audit it and fix it yeah and in code it, it can be a complete mess you go and say where did i use that phrase was it in this file this file this file they all have similar names on the files but they all control completely different areas. And I can't remember if that specific message came from this function or the function that it called or the function that that one called, right? And it just becomes a cascading mess where you're kind of going, okay, I started on this page and I get this message. So I'm going to open up that page in the editor. Okay, it's not in there. Well, there's a bunch of functions on this page. I'll open all of those. And then you go into deeper, 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 and then you find it. And in the process, you only changed it once. You know so, what I totally forgot to ask you, actually? Yes. How'd you get into all this? Um, like, how'd you get started with all this? About 2006-ish, I had dial-up. <laughs> I didn't have high-speed internet, even though everyone else did. Even though I was in an area that could. Because, okay. and I had a hand-me-down computer. Um that was only used for school. So to use the internet, it had to be at night when the house was completely asleep, right? <laughs> so I remember in, that. Yep, yep. In doing that, you find communities. So, okay, well, oh, this is a cool game. Most people are active at night because they're also in the same situation, right? So for me, that was um, uh, Net Battle. If you've ever heard of that, it's an old Pokemon game that was made a long time ago, and you host your own little server, and it could work on dial-up. Like, it was small enough. That explains enough. your Skype <laughs> username. Yes, it does, actually. And actually, the <laughs> name before that is even weirder, so I won't even go into it. Um, so I started doing that, and I'm like, people were like, when is the server operating? And I'm like, oh, I need to make a page for that somehow. So I found an online provider that you just literally edit a document and it shows it right and it went from mm -hmm. there and then people said well can i can you show me some screenshots of when things happen so i started putting that in and then to do that i had to actually learn how to put those into place right and it just mm -hmm. kept going and going and going and it ended up turning into a pokemon fan site 
that then operated for almost 10 years and I only stopped updating it maybe a little while ago um, and took it all wow. copies offline. So it existed for a long time. That and it was is a long lifetime for a website. It was. And it's. I made a lot of people that I knew from that. And when they left the scene, they actually just gave me their login so I could have the content that they had written for them. And I combined it into it, right? Mm. And of course, last five years, I didn't do anything with it. And then the last four, nothing. And it kind of just disappeared lost track of it kind of thing i don't even have backups of it that's how that's how <laughs> unupdated it was it was html documents it wasn't anything else like this was pre wow server wow. side no, stuff no css like, css single css file yes absolutely but <laughs> um no server side like include this so the headers were always different every page if i changed it down the road and that comes into that font issue or the the text issue you change it down the road yeah but you didn't change your old stuff right and people always find that old stuff they'll always find those old menus they'll find those old interfaces um there's even that in ios there's a few menus in the last version you open up and it looks completely different there's a few icons that don't match. You do the hard reset, it shows you the old version of the app, um, iTunes logo, not the new one. Oh, that's so it's funny. It's things that you never think about and you because you never see them in your daily use, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those weird, like, far-off scenarios. That's where it comes up. So, so then, after this Pokemon, so how, how did you get into development and then get to where you are today um i had to run it on my own server at home after a while because i didn't couldn't pay for it right i couldn't pay for hosting i was in school so in the process of doing that i had a laptop sitting in a corner that ran it all and then from there you start learning oh how do i manage this as far as a web server goes and then from there oh you can do this you can you can actually do server side stuff and then i ended up making little mini pages that people could submit stuff on and then it turned into um my first version of a social network which was called my wall me mini post yeah, it's really dumb. <laughs> and you literally just had a bunch of fields. You filled them in and hit submit. It generated a page that was static. And that was your page. If you wanted to change anything, you had to replace it all. Oh, oh no, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was static, one-time message. You you change it. You, you, you literally wipe everything off the page. Like it had fields for first YouTube video, second YouTube video. This was back when YouTube first did embeds. Um, and then I turned that into something that continuously updated with a feed. And then it continued down that path till a point where I had a mobile app in both platforms and stuff like that. And then I went, because I know how to do all this stuff now, I should make something else. So Notehost was kind of that first project after doing all that stuff. And that's how you became one of our sponsors. <laughs> Pretty much. Although on that side, that's all you. <laughs> well, well, uh, it's a neat product. It does the job, and like I say every podcast, it works really well. <laughs> it works. Yep. It's something that actually works. And I'm, it's so surprising that something on the web actually works. Technology works. Yeah, it, it's funny because most of the feedback I get, like as far as like people having issues, it's usually how they're doing things 
And I know some of that's mm-hmm. still on me because I'm not clearly explaining some things in the panel. And I know I, I know I know I need to make some changes and I actually need to make a full mock-up of a new version before I go ahead and jump into it. Because I make small tweaks over time. That's kind of how I how I edit things. So you should I'll have make, a style guide. I really should. I've tried getting better at it. Um for example, the main website, the CSS file that runs the main website, also runs the cloud panel and everything else, plus an additional for each that makes slight changes. Oh, gosh. So all of them have one core thing that includes like the font sizing, the styling, all that stuff, what headers or what, the title bar, things like that. And then each sub site which includes a community a blog a the cloud panel the website all that stuff pulls in that main one and has a slight addition to it for things like menu colors and things like that i know it kind of makes it a mess and i and i wish (laughs) i did it a little differently i wish i did a little differently to begin with but once you've already got that going to remake it i basically have to plan everything out and go ahead and do that and that takes a long amount of time especially when you're the only one doing it well you know what they say uh the best time to plant the tree is yesterday but the second best time is today absolutely and that's really <laughs> where and you know what that's that's where twirl man came into play because designing that and working with that i've kind of made it i've tried not to do the bad habits I've tried to stay away from that, and I can even use some of those resources later down the road. Like, and it's the but, same for design, right? Like, you make your standard right. elements that you're always going to keep your starting document. You're going to open and start from there. Right. With twirl mail, twirl, twirl, twirl. I can't say the word twirl. Twirl mail. With twirl, twirl. Right, there I go again. With twirl mail, <laughs> uh, yes. you're trying to make like a new way of looking out mail email what exactly is twirl mail why don't you explain what that is now i'm just turning into a sponsorship slot here that's kind of weird <laughs> but <laughs> i guess well, okay like, so 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 back up a little bit let me back up a little bit <laughs> you make so much stuff you can make yes. like basically whatever you want because you have this ability you've trained yourself you taught yourself how to make yep. things based just out of sole interest of, of wanting something and then you went out and got it right yep yeah and, and so you've made games you've made what you said an online operating system which still blows my mind I don't understand how that even works you can still like, kind of open an old version of it it's called twirlos.com <laughs> oh my gosh I'm going to it right now Let's see if yeah, I, what, what I don't loads. know what it. I I think it's broken in a few browsers as far as some of the menus and stuff like that. But you can you can log in. You can use it. It actually creates files locally in the server per user. So you can actually publish apps. You can update them, and when they're updated, you get a, you can actually open up the app updater and download those updates, and it actually restarts the apps with the new updates. Everything's sandboxed. It was kind of my first go into making things sandboxed on the web. You can use this as a computer? Like, what, what is the purpose of having a, uh, an OS in the browser? <laughs> the idea was that it was going to be able to just be a local operating system that was just a browser that would open this, 
and, and a lot of the assets being local because it's something that can be fast and update like very fast. So if you need to make changes or speed improvements for certain devices, you can literally do it overnight. That was the idea behind it. And the fact that anybody can make an application if they know even the simplest of JavaScript. So you can run like the idea of a computer within this. Exactly. And it would basically an, a miniature Linux OS that would host mm-hmm. this as a full screen app that would then talk to the OS to do like things like system shutdown, C power levels, all that kind of stuff. But it would allow anybody to easily make an app. And that actually turned into a complete different project after that, because I kind of stopped updating that last year because um, I made it over the course of a week. And I was like, okay, I, I kind of know what I'm doing on this stuff. I'm not, I, I don't need to continue because it's never going to replace anything that's currently running. And that's really the goal, right? You made this in a week? Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately? Like, like as if, like, oh, it took too long? <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, no, yeah. I'm not jealous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you don't know what I, you don't want to know what that turned into afterwards. Code simple script, uh, scripting language. So you made a your own language. Great. Yes, I made a, I made a programming language. <laughs> I feel language. like a total failure. Like, like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I haven't made my own language yet. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but you kind of so, have. You're making one right now. No. You're making you're mm. making your own assets right now. That's that's your own language. Once you make that, other people can use it. Right. Okay. It's the same kind of okay. idea. Right. People aren't just looking at it. They're using it to create more. And that's that's your own language. That's a really good way of looking at it. Huh? Yeah. Think of it like the Egyptians. You just made them a stamp and now they dip it in ink and step it on the wall and look, they're making stuff. Yeah, I guess you're right, actually. Yeah, I am making my own language, but not like this. Like, dude, like this is a freaking like coding language. Like, damn. Yeah, and it's pretty minimal for what it does, but I've wanted to update it. The main website, Notehost website, is actually running on it, and I've wanted to replace the code panel with it as well down the road, and that's really what's going to make me keep working on it. But right now, I haven't updated that either in like three, four months. I, I don't understand how you can do all this. Like, you're just a monster. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Damn. I get too focused on things to the point where I'll actually wake up in the middle of the night and go, "Oh, I have an idea." But that's and that's then like, re- and then I'll and the, then I'll realize it's tomorrow. That's the most fun thing about it. Like like whenever you're you're hacking at something, you're like, "Oh my gosh, what about this idea? Oh my gosh, what about what if I added this?" And then you just like, yep. uh, out of obsession, you get addicted to creating something wonderful, and then you do end up creating something wonderful. Yeah, but you also have a downside to that. If you get so into things like how <laughs> I am, I haven't updated Nodehost except for when I had to move some servers around. Like, I, I don't update it very often. When I do, it's a spurt of, like, one week, and then it's done. <laughs> that, oh, right, that, that right, right. A, that can be a real downside because then you kind of put it to the back of your mind. Oh, it lasted fine last week. There's no issues. I don't have to do anything this week either. And it, and, it, and you get into that rhythm. So... Is there anything you've ever you've always wanted to make, but you have in a time where you just uh, are, have it on your list to do? I've had lists in the past and I've deleted them or I've lost them, I should say. Um, 
mostly because there are no documents so far down into my file tree. I have no idea where I <laughs> saved them. <laughs> but probably the number one thing I've wanted to build is an AI, but not an AI, a decision tree of a kind. Like I've always been fascinated on how you can make data one way and it responds another. So I ended up building that too. <laughs> You've already um, built it. Kinda. I built kind of the interface of it and stuff like that, but I didn't continue and I made plugins for all the browsers, but I didn't really finish it. Um, what does it do? <laughs> what does it uh, do so far thing, at least? Um, you can say things like, hey, take me to Facebook or take me to, twi uh, to Twitch or share this on Facebook and it'll take the page to Facebook to the share window and things like that. Um, um, show me images of, of cats and it shows you animated images of cats and you say, show me more <laughs> images. It shows you more images. Would you um, be talking to it or would you, would you be typing to it? You'd be typing to it. it, it the hotkey okay. is, the, is the quirky squiggle key. I can't remember what it is. The... <laughs> the top left key, second down from escape. Exactly. Yeah. I, there's a name for it, that and one. I remember it, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. But yeah, I don't even run it on my browser anymore because it it doesn't work well with a lot of stuff still. But it's funny because because of that, I found um, a security hole in a few things, but not really a hole. It's just something that they never bothered with. Who's they? <laughs> Facebook, Google. Really? So on the web, I'm importing an asset from an unknown web server onto the page within those sites in order for it to work. So I can control and manipulate the page, just like an ad blocker would. But, and just like ad blockers, they, they can do anything they want. So they can change a button link and the user would never know, right? There is one site. Have you, you do you know of Troy Hunt? He created Have I Been Pwned? Um, oh, huge security okay. person. Right, right. Anyways, if you go to I Have I Been Pwned with this plugin on, it does not work <laughs> because he's kind of hardened it all down to show other people when he does his talks and stuff. And because of that, I realized, wait a minute. I'm able to control what people type into things. I can control what they type into Google. I can see what they type as a browser extension that's completely trusted and in the app in the in the Google Play Store and everything. Like it, it's so strange. Oh wow. They don't take this into consideration, but yet a single guy building a service did. That's so weird. Have you not like reported it yet? No, it's how the web works. It's, it's a standard in browsers. It's supposed to be able to do that. You can you can disable that if you want, but if you do that, any non-static assets would basically break it because what he's done is all his assets are static. All the JavaScript is static on his page, so he creates a key from that. That key is what the browser validates and says, yes, that code, if I encode it, turns into that key, that's allowed to run. Right. So, so any large site like Facebook or Google that's changing assets all the time or dynamic, they can't do it. Not very easily. So it's an exception on the the user side where they have to accept this plugin, right? So it's like a manual decision to allow it. Well, exactly. Just like an ad blocker. So but it's, it's not seen as an issue. Uh, decision. Yes, because you don't know okay. what it can actually do, right? Like on, it's the same thing with Android, right? 
You don't know mm-hmm. what the permission, and they've gotten better. They changed this in the last version, but for six years, they didn't. Where you install mm-hmm. an app, it says, this is what it's going to get, but you don't know what it's doing and when. On iOS, if something's using the microphone, it tells you on the top of the pa- on the top of the screen. If something's using your location, it tells you on the screen. Right. Right. And with plugins, that still hasn't happened. But yet, most of our stuff is all done in the browser, and it's just it's strange. It's a design element flaw, really. Maybe you should there build should be a, way. a neck the next safe web browser. That's on my list. Ah, oh. <laughs> thought I got you there. <laughs> No, it it has been on my list. Um, really, anytime I use something and I say, hey, this doesn't make sense, I add it to my list and I go and try to build it once and then I kind of cl- throw it away and then maybe I'll try it again later on. But it's the same so, with you. Like, have you, ever, have you ever taken a logo and seen it and go, oh, I don't like that? And you like redraw it really quick just to see if you could change it and make it look a little better? I will not deny that. it's the exact same way right it's it's just how creatives think it's oh i like that but i think it could be a little different and just like your conversation about the uber logo and stuff right it's Mm -hmm. they like it but you don't so you want to change it right even though yes it may not be good (laughs) in this case everyone feels that have you ever seen something off-centered and gone this is driving me crazy uh, yes, just yesterday, actually. <laughs> it's the same kind of idea. It's how did they build this this way? I would have done better. But in reality, you wouldn't have. Because I've seen things off-center as far as building and people building stuff. But when you're building stuff, you're like, oh, it's never going to happen. And then you realize your desk is slightly wobbly. You know, it. it's also kind of problematic because a lot of for, well, I can't speak on behalf of developers, but designers, they have a little bit of an ego. And when they're designing something or when, when yep. they see somebody else designing something, they don't take into consideration all the other pieces of it, especially when a giant corporation uh, creates something. Because there's a, a, a number of levels that something has to go through in order to get approved. There's a yep. lot of other constraints, a lot of other aspects and factors that go into play that that make decisions that that turn you know like there's a lot of cogs behind the machine that are at work and when somebody like me is like oh apple did this i can do better let me see if i can redesign it you know there's that ego to it but yeah sometimes it's kind of like oh that design might actually affect somebody in a negative way is there a way to improve it i think that's a that's a the first thing people should think of if they they disagree with something like oh is there something that can be improved about it or what at least identify the weaknesses so that it can be improved i don't think you always have to have the solution but you seem to always just have a, a way of doing things like you just build stuff like you build operating systems you build uh so soon you build your own web browser, twirl, twirl browser, twirl, twirl web, web twirl. Close enough. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, Let's yeah, go yeah, with yeah. that. <laughs> it, have you, uh, have you ever wondered why assets have not been like, you look at something and you go, why did they change everything I look at when I first see the product, but they didn't change the menus behind the scenes? Yeah. I can't imagine uh, new people starting off like, because 
I, I've been doing this for, I think, 12 years now, but designing, and you've been doing it for how many years? Development? Probably about the same. So I can't even do you remember any, anymore. Do you, ha- do you have any advice for people getting started, uh, whether it be for designers to make better decisions for developers or developers to make better decisions for designers? No matter what you do, all your applications you're going to be using plan to make the switch the next year. Like, have, I don't know how many times I've gone and worked with someone and they go, oh yeah, I'm using this. And then you go and download that. Then you're using that. And someone goes, oh no, wait, I'm doing this now. And you go back and forth and then you go, like I have, let's see here. I have Skype. I have Discord. I have Google Hangouts. I have... I have so many different things on here just for the same thing. I have I have Slack. I have uh, Todoist. I have Wonderlist. I have, and that's just talking to different people. And right. where they input stuff, it is insane. And everybody changes every year. I've probably every once in a while go search in Google to see is there anything that kind of integrates all these into one that maybe won't disappear the next couple of years that I can keep using and I never find anything that'll integrate with everything. And it, it's, it's a mess. And think about that. If you're working in a large company, that's constantly switching, especially a new one where they're still trying to figure out what they're going to use permanently. You're going back and forth. Oh, we're using Slack. Now we're using a custom hips, uh, hip Slack, uh, install that's running locally. And then they go, Oh, well now we have designers that can't connect to it locally. So now we're gone back to Slack. So you're recommending learning more about theory and concepts than the actual tools. I would, I would almost create a system locally that you will always stick to and just ignore what everyone else tells you as far as you have to use this app because guaranteed it's going to change a few years down the road with the exception of a few. Like I don't think Sketch is going to go anywhere or any of the Adobe stuff if they keep if they don't keep putting their prices up, (laughs) but everything else, like all these services like Slack, Slack doesn't really make money in 20 years, 10 years from now, if they're still going to be here, that's it's unknown. So if you dedicate everything to being stored in there, the day they switch or they shut down or you need to make a move, you're not going to have anything to, you're not going to have that stuff anymore. I want to talk about one more thing, which was uh, your other comment of how clean and pretty design don't always translate to product or, or usability, the dribble effect. What do you mean by that? Um, I've been on dribble for a long time, and I don't post things because I don't have an account. Wait, I've tr- you're on I've dribble? Tried, yeah, I've tried to, po- to get an account to post things, and I'm like, oh, should I pay for the teams? I might down the road, but at this point, I won't. I, I follow a lot of people on it. I look at stuff. I follow... Um, you follow me your on co-host it? on it. I, oh, I don't think I do, but I follow... Um, <laughs> you follow my co-host, but you don't follow me? <laughs> okay, what is I'm gonna this that. shit? I will fix that. I will fix that. Okay, I'm waiting. I'll search I'm you waiting. And I'll... <laughs> Here. Okay, fine. Um... But anyways, well, my pa- well, the page loads here. Um, have you ever seen a lot of really fancy, clean, nice designs and mock-ups and interfaces that never, ever happen? That's probably yeah. a good 90, 90% of it. And the reason for that is 
there are developers like me looking at this stuff and saying, this is amazing. I'm going to implement something just like that. And you start to do it and you realize that just does not work. You have all these weird animations. Yes, it looks great, but it slows down interaction. It, it, it messes up how the application fundamentally works. And it, 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 it's, it's crazy. There's so many of them that started doing the animated examples but now I see even less of that because they know of that. They create just static resources. Um, there is one, I can't remember the name now, that created a mock-up of Facebook, like completely nice and awesome, and said, I'm also a developer, so you know what? I'm going to turn this around and I'm going to make it into a plugin. He tried, took a, he made it once, they changed a single thing, and that entire design would not work from that point on. Why wouldn't it work? Like it, it was just not. It's just not available to be future proof. The profile design Facebook did changed, mm -hmm. so all the elements changed how you interacted with things. They moved the menus to opposite sides, and then when people jumped onto this new one, it wasn't set up to work that way. Um, it was. Um, I wish I could remember the name. It was basically floating elements that were moving around the page. It was almost like a liquid mm -hmm. UI. Oh. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, like it had like this the the sides of menus and things would slightly like wobble when you open them and things like that. Like it was really nice, but as things started moving to mobile, that doesn't work. As Facebook started turning their videos into large screen videos, you do that, you cut off elements, you cut off parts of the video. So you can't do that effect on the video now. So that full screen video window can't do it. So you take it out of there. And now it doesn't work with the rest and back and forth. There was, I almost wish I had this stuff open because I didn't know we were going to talk about this side of it. Um, there was Surprise. a, <laughs> yeah, there was a medium post a while back and the guy, and it was, I've never seen a dribble product that wasn't built already before being posted that was then built. Like where someone creates a fancy UI and then almost if it wasn't already started as an application in some way or form it almost never gets turned into one down the road a huh. lot of these elements on dribble are are just to show other designers what they can build but it's not being built for an actual product do you remember when facebook was going to do that whole redesign yes the huge redesign that they're going to make with the giant photos and stuff you know what? The one that looked amazing and would actually be perfect nowadays. Oh, do you know why so they scrapped that? I do, but tell me why. Because it did not work on portable computers that were smaller than 13 inches. Yeah. When you start going so, to anything smaller, those huge photos get cut off, and now you only see one post or even just half a post per page. Because this is when people started buying netbooks. This is oh. when this started happening. And all the developers right. and all the designers, they had larger laptops. They had Apple laptops, MacBooks, and stuff that had larger screens. So they didn't think of that. They made it transition to mobile, but they didn't think that these netbooks don't just have a shorter width. They have a hugely shorter height. Right. Absolutely. So you basically have a height of a phone with the width of a laptop. It was weird. So you get 
the first half of a head on a photo but you don't see the rest of it unless you scroll down but you can't see the whole photo unless you open it and with that i think that uh it's time to close the the pod yes 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 i'll close the lid thank and you seal so the door <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining me not a problem thank you for having me here <laughs> You can subscribe to the Undesigned Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or YouTube. And as always, giving us a thumbs up or five-star reviews are very much appreciated. We will reconvene the pod after the holidays, so stay tuned and try not to make the rest of 2017 suck so much. Have a good one.